There's been a, a slow shift in my life in recent years, and I've only just begun to recognize that. Without me really knowing or planning for it, I've realized that I am now a caregiver. Hadn't thought of myself that way before, but I am a daughter, and my father needs more help than he used to. I'm also a grandmother, and I want to spend time with my grandkids and help out my kids where I can. And that realization got me thinking about all my other roles, all the people and situations I care about. I'm a sister, a partner, a friend. I have a calling and a vocation. I'm an earthling. I live on the earth, care about the earth. I'm a community member. I'm an Ohioan, a part-time Michigander. I'm an American. And I care about all of these people, these places, and these situations. We all have a variety of callings, a variety of roles, things we care about, and it can be difficult to balance all of those. For me, when it starts to feel like there isn't enough time, isn't enough energy, aren't enough ideas to care the way I feel that I should or the way that I want to, I sometimes get a little spiritual tap on the shoulder, reminding me that I am not only a caregiver, I'm a whole person, a child of God. And sometimes that reminder comes in the form of what I consider a holy invitation to play. And I believe that I come by this need to play very naturally, that I'm created in the image of a playful God. Now we have a lot of words that come to mind when we think about our experiences of God. Almighty, powerful, merciful, omnipotent, forgiving, loving, infinite, playful, maybe doesn't always make our list. But if we think about it for a minute, I know that we all know that God has a playful side. And there's plenty of evidence for it in Scripture. In the beginning, God created and called creation good. I assume that good doesn't just mean functional or efficient, but that God delighted in being creative. There's a fabulous passage in Proverbs that says, As God was creating, holy wisdom was there. And she said, I was there having fun, frolicking with the inhabited earth, and delighting in the human race. In Isaiah, God says, I shall be joyful. I shall rejoice in my people. God's relationship with us isn't just utilitarian. It isn't just based on asking us to do things or teaching us things or correcting us or comforting us. God also celebrates us. The Psalms are full of applauding trees, singing stars and mountains, celebrating fields, and even a big old sea creature that plays and splashes among the ships. And it isn't just God and trees and stars and whales. People in scripture also get in on the act. David dances like a madman in front of the ark of God, so much so that he totally embarrasses his wife. It's in the Bible. And in Zechariah, there is a beautiful passage that says the sign that God's peace has been fully realized in the world 
is when boys and girls are playing in the streets. We know what those scripture writers know. I think we see that playfulness all around us. Once, I saw a group of deer in my backyard. It was an early spring day, and the the backyard was still covered with snow, but it was getting very slushy and melty. Four of the deer were just kind of slowly milling around the way that deer do, but the one deer, the fifth deer, repeatedly ran as hard as it could, hit the brakes, jumped straight up in the air, not like a graceful deer leap, but all four legs at once, and then splashed down in the snow did it over and over. That deer was playing. And I've read that animals play to form bonds, to um, learn about their environment, to sharpen their skills. And we've all heard that play is so important for children's development, that play is children's work. But then we grow up. And we begin to think about play a little differently. It becomes that thing that we're permitted to do after we've met all of our other obligations. There's a time to work and a time to play. And if it's time to work, then play can seem frivolous or maybe a waste of time. And sometimes it might even, the way we think about play and playfulness, it might even feel disrespectful to talk about playfulness when we have so many problems and struggles in the world, in the struggle for racial justice, the tragedy that's taking place right now in Florida. And I get it. It does seem disrespectful to talk about being playful. But if playfulness is such a part of God, such a part of creation, such a part of animals and children, It must be such a part of us, and it must matter in some way. And maybe we could think of a playful life as that abundant life that Jesus talks about. Theologian Jaco Hammond writes about this abundant life in his book, A Playful Life, P-L-A-Y hyphen F-U-L-L, A Playful Life, Slowing Down and Seeking Peace. And he says that the playful, abundant life creatively engages with all of life, joys and struggles. He offers what I think is a a helpful concept to think about playfulness, and he talks about our inner space. That playfulness is, first of all, not something we do, but it's an inner quality, a way of being. And one of the words he uses to describe this inner space, a playful inner space, is Spaciousness. He says that Jesus had a large, vital, loving, peaceful, welcoming, confident inner space that allowed him to engage himself, God, others, and all of life out of this abundance. A playful inner space makes room. It makes room for possibilities, for creativity. It can make room for sadness anger, and grief. Playfulness is a form of resistance. It makes room for us to release the need to control, to fix, to produce, to never rest. 
It makes room for mystery and being okay with not always having the answer. A playful inner space makes room for our learning, our successes, and our mistakes. Far from being irrelevant or disrespectful, it may be most needed when times are tough and problems are difficult. And I've had experience with this. I bet you have too, in various ways. Many years ago, I struggled with anxiety. Now, I want to be clear that my struggle with anxiety didn't require medical help, so I'm not saying that what worked for me is what everyone should do. That being said, I felt anxious. My inner space was clenched and frantic. I couldn't fix it. Boy, did I try. Couldn't solve it. The things that normally brought me joy just didn't. And one day, my spiritual director asked me a question. She asked, well, are you okay with being anxious for a while? That was a really spacious question. And just hearing those words opened up a space inside me. If it was okay, if I had permission to feel the way I felt, then I could creatively engage my feelings. I could trust that God was in it with me, not far away waiting for me to figure it out. I could let it play out a little, wait for things to become clear, and be gentle with myself along the way. So now let's get back to our story. Imagine what it would have been like if when the disciples said, you need to send everybody away to get food, Jesus had said, you're right, great problem solving. Let's send everybody out to go get their dinner. And all the tired people, tired from journeying there, sitting there all day, children hot and irritable, separate into their little family groups and head out to get their own food. I mean, it would have got the job done if the job was to get dinner. But imagine, though, the story as we have it. Imagine the befuddled looks on the disciples' faces when Jesus said, You feed them. And their continued sort of confusion, maybe they're exchanging some looks. Well, we have these five loaves and a couple of fish. Imagine 5,000 people, the sounds, the sights of that. Imagine them all sitting on the lawn, having a picnic, energized and relaxed at the end of the day, getting to know each other, sharing stories. The lovely, gracious gift that would have been. Jesus had a different goal in mind. Remember, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he wasn't afraid to slow things down and engage this problem to be a caregiver with abundance, spaciousness, and playfulness. And his playfulness made way for wonder and joy. My favorite description of the spirituality of play comes from spiritual director and author Margaret Gunther. She writes, Play exists for its own sake. Play is for the moment. 
It is not hurried, even when the pace is fast and timing seems important. When we play, we also celebrate holy uselessness. Like the calf frolicking in the meadow, we need no pretense or excuses. Work is productive. Play, in its disinterestedness and self-forgetting, can be fruitful. This week, try some holy uselessness. Kick off your shoes and go barefoot in the backyard, watch a funny movie, run through the sprinkler, draw on the sidewalk with the kids, catch lightning bugs, play a game, blow some bubbles, sing your heart out in church, put on some music in the car and do some car dancing on the way to work, wear something fun, something you ordinarily wouldn't, josh your inner critic out of being so serious and annoying, Add some playfulness to your prayer time. Share a laugh with God. And as you play, notice. Notice the quality of your inner space and wonder about how those qualities might become more a part of your whole life, your whole self. Amen.